well, welcome, friend of the pod. Today, we're going to take a break from our normal podcast format and introduce a new format that we're going to revisit from time to time on Between Sundays in the next few months. You may know that we're currently in the final 12 months of the succession to our senior pastor, Dave Rodriguez. So I thought it'd be cool to have conversations with people who have been a part of Grace throughout the history of Grace Church. And so we're going to look back at the history of Grace, Dave Rod and his career, celebrate what God has done over the course of the last 28 years here. And uh, we're also going to look ahead to to the future of what God might have in store for this church and this this place and these people over uh, this unique year that we're currently going through. So I thought to start the series, what better person to talk to than our very own Tim Ayers? Tim is our current teaching pastor who's been here from the infancy of Grace, and it was fascinating to talk to him and hear the stories of how Grace Church became a thing. I hope you enjoy. Uh, We'll be back next week in our normal format, and Tim's actually going to join us then too, so double dose of Tim Ayers. But for now, please enjoy this very special episode of Between Sundays. All right, Tim, thanks for joining me today. You're a regular on Between Sundays, but thanks for joining this like special bonus. Yeah, happy pop. to do it. Happy to do it. Yeah, so I wanted to bring you in. We're bringing um, some people's favorite personalities or people who have uh, been a part of leadership at Grace Church over the over the history of Grace and maybe just to get your take on where we've been before and a little bit about where we're going. So I've got a list of about 10 questions. Okay. And uh, yeah, so let's just dive right in. All righty. Um, do you, I'm, I'm sure you have memories of the infancy of Grace Church. Can you talk to me a little bit about like where you were in life when Grace Church became a thing? Sure. I was um, late thirties, mid to late thirties. I'd have to do the math, but it's not that important. It was probably middle thirties and uh, I had three children. Um, let's see. I think my kids were all like junior high, high school age. And so mm-hmm. I was in that stage. I had a, my own business. I was, I ran a landscape firm that I'd had for quite some time. And so I was, I was just a working man who ran a company and was a dad who, um, did the stuff that high school dads do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was uh 91, but do you remember, were you a part of like the initial conversations of maybe we should launch a church like this? Or? I was. I was a, what's called a deacon back then, which really meant that we were the layman at the faith church, which was the church that Grace came out of. Mm-hmm. And I was on the deacon board and had been for some time. And I had a, I guess, a portfolio of uh, practical stuff to take care of for the church. But I'd been on that board for quite some time and we'd actually gone through a period of time. The church was landlocked. It still is at 91st and college. You can still see what's there now. doesn't look anything like what it looked like back then because they've Mm -hmm. built and changed and stuff. But back then we're landlocked and we couldn't build anymore on that property. The church was probably about 1,100 or 1,200 people. They'd gone through it. They'd actually tried to raise money to buy land and that wasn't a very successful process. And then they divided the church up for a while. Half of us went to Brebuff and the pastor went back and forth. This was before anything like video and anything like that. And so the pastor would go over to Brebuff and half the congregation would be there and he'd preach to them and then he'd come back over to the main campus. And it was just, um, they're trying to figure out how to do things 
and keep everybody together. But finally, it just just seemed crazy because we were just overcrowded in the small space that we had. And so they made a decision to plant a church mm-hmm. rather than ra- try to buy land and then raise a whole bunch of money to build a building. And they just didn't have the will to spend money that way. So they decided to plant a church. And so, yes, I was in on that decision. I was not in on the decision to choose Dave to be the senior pastor. Mm. But I really was not surprised by that decision. If you looked at the members of the staff at that time, he was the youth pastor. He was somebody who spoke to people frequently, had a lot of potential. He was young and I guess good looking, you know, <laughs> <It's important. laughs> you know all yeah. that stuff. He had all the, he had all this stuff going for him that, that was needed, I think, to plan a, and, and I will say this, that there was a Sunday school class at that church called the Home Builders, and we we're all in our 30s, mm-hmm. all about the same stage of life, and there was a, now Dave wasn't in that class very often because he was working as a pastor, but his wife, Penny, was in that class, and and that particular group of people were the backbone of the people who, when they announced that we're going to plant a church and that Dave Rodriguez is going to be the senior pastor. That was really the backbone of the first group that came around him. And I was with him all, all he was already my friend. I already really loved him. And um, he was my kid's youth pastor. Oh yeah. And so my children were actually not happy about the decision because um, two of them lost their youth pastor mm-hmm. and the other one wanted him to be yeah. their, her youth pastor, but yeah. she never... Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And uh, so that decision was made. And then the I'm going with this or I'm staying kind yeah, of thing. So happened. What, was that, what was that like? Well, it was fine. <laughs> it was, I mean, from my perspective, it was fine. Uh, we were those of us who were going to go first. They had to find a place to go. Yeah. And. It was really, I hate to, it was not a church split. It was a church division, but the church, Grace Church that was going to start out of faith was really clearly a younger, more contemporary group of people. Did they have that decision made? Like, was that part of the conversation? We want this church to be a certain type of church? Well, or? I don't know that, that, I don't know that that was ever, you know, I was never in any, on any discussion yeah. like that. I know that the church we came out of was very conservative. It, it was as close to what Baptist churches look like, you know, the mm-hmm. choir, people in choir robes and the big organ and hymns and uh, a very formal sermon that kind of thing. And we, there were a lot of us. Now, I don't, you know, I don't want to take any credit really because I was just a guy who was a part of it. Yeah. And back then I was a rock and roll musician as known more for that than anything. And so I don't know that people actually respected my opinion about things, but I do know this, that we started out the first week well, when they found the location, it was a warehouse out at where Best Buy is now at 31st. In Westfield. 31 and 146. Yeah. yeah, but there wasn't any bridge across. It was really different back then. Yeah. The whole thing was just really different. And uh, the first week, 
the fork truck was still in the warehouse and there were bolts sticking out of the floor. And <laughs> oh we had no idea how many people were going to show up. And I yeah. think about 700 people showed up. Well, that was a lot of people out of a church of 1100 or 1200. Cause if you just, even if it was 1200, you're talking, we took more out on more the first half. Week. Yeah. So it was a bit of a shock that that many people came out. Yeah. But, um, but that first week just Penny played the piano and, that's cool. I remember walking around all the people in the warehouse around the back of the chairs and just looking at everything and looking up at Davis. He was standing there preaching and thinking, what the, what's happening here? You know, this is yeah. amazing. And I was in, I was in from the beginning. I remember before we went out getting the feeling that there was some sort of age thing. Mm. Like there were people that were thinking that, Dave could not possibly succeed because he's too young and he, he'd never preached two sermons back to back in a church and stuff like that. And, and I was really defensive of him and I can remember getting carried away in a parking lot with him and Jim Falk, who was the other pastor who came out when it first started. And so a seminal moment for me to just express how much I wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Do you remember when you met Dave Rodriguez? I do. I do because I I was just a guy in the church and they had called him to be the youth pastor, the choir director, <laughs> and I think he was music something. I know, but he was the choir director. He yeah. Had, and I'll never forget. <laughs> I was I walked up to the front of the church to meet this new dude who'd been hired to do all this stuff, and the guy, you know how. There line. It was not like a funeral, but it was like a line, you know, people shaking yeah. his hand and stuff. And the guy in front of me says, are you contemporary? And <laughs> Dave goes, a hundred percent contemporary. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking I get to decide whether you're contemporary yeah. or not. Don't yeah, tell me about tell me. Yeah. I'm the contemporary yeah. guy around here, but it was just like, I had no idea what that meant. Cause the guy that asked the question, I know him still, and he's never been contemporary, but I, just, yeah. I know that I didn't know whether Dave's answer was the right one or the wrong one, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I, but anyway, it was, uh, yes, I remember it was the first week they announced that he, he came in. Of course, I wasn't on any kind of committee to choose the youth pastor. So what were the, uh, what were the early days of Grace Church like? What was the culture like back then? It was real, f um, it was loose. And we got to get through this somehow. I remember we started out trying to have Sunday school classes and then we just had a big room, a big warehouse room. And so they, and I was, this is, this is probably the sign that there was some bad leadership decisions being made. <laughs> they gave me a Sunday school class Whoa. <laughs> and uh, they, uh, yeah. So I had this one corner and I had all these people in a circle, you know, all lined up for me to teach them. But there were also three others in the room and in this small warehouse space and, they, uh, that wasn't working. So like just Jim Falk just got up a couple weeks after we started. So we're not doing adult Sunday school classes. <laughs> it was like, we didn't, you know, they just made decisions. So just like, like, we'll so, try it out. If hey, it works. We're gonna try, yeah. We're going to try to have a drummer this week. You know, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, it's just yeah. all the, it's just everything. Did was, you play music uh, back then for at Grace church or I will be honest. Um, I did very little. Um, there were a couple of reasons though. I will say at the time I was in a band that had a, four person full-time crew and we had them come in and build the first PA system in the warehouse from your band. Yeah. Our band came in. I was thinking maybe the band or the crew would like everybody and 
maybe you want to come to church there, yeah. but that, that didn't work. No, <laughs> no, they were just there to build a system. Yeah. It was work, but they built the system and put, you know, helped Carl Namey, who's a guy that was a sound guy back then, helped him figure out how to work everything. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't, I think that at the time, my musical thing was just so distant from what was happening in contemporary Christian music that I didn't even know how to go about it. I would play every once in a while I'd play, but yeah. I found a place on the parking team because the, the, the property was so tight that it, we had three or four of us who every week just fit the cars onto the property. And I had a, so there wasn't like a parking lot. Well, they, they did gravel one hunk <laughs> and we could, we could get, I don't know how many cars we could get into yeah. that space, but we we, it was really shoehorning them in. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, um, Dave Frisbee, uh, Bob Luganbill, uh, Ron Young and myself. And we did that until after we built this building, we still, we stood around here. We didn't need us. They didn't need us yeah. anymore when they built us. But we did that all the time, every week. And as a team, and we, it was almost like a men's small group, if you will, because yeah. we prayed for each other and we just became really dear friends. And through that process, those are really good years because we, we were needed. And I knew there were so many people who could play and wanted to play and, I've still been that way here. I've always been that way. What I mean, I don't, I don't need to do that when there are so many other people who can do it. And and unfortunately, it draws attention to me when I'm up doing something other than what people yeah. expect. And so I just don't do it. But but back in the original early days, I I'll never forget. I was at a meeting with some other leaders. I might have been an elder by then. I don't know. But there was a guy who, who had been volunteering as leading the music. He was leading the music. And he had come to this meeting to like, essentially demand that we start to pay him as a worship pastor. And I'll be honest, I'd never thought people got paid to lead a band. Like, it's like, what? What? You want us to pay you? To, yeah. This is what you want for your job? To, to do, play the guitar at church at church yeah no that's nobody does that yeah. but little did i know like lots of people yeah. did that but i was <laughs> yeah. not really paying attention um and so how long was it before either grace decided or you decided that it sounds like you started as an elder of grace and then now well, I, I was made an elder in the first year yeah okay and at what point was it decided you know we want you to be on staff or what did what was missing Cause you've been a teaching pastor from the beginning. Oh, from the yeah, beginning. yeah. Dave. Uh, well, here's what happened. Um, Dave had wanted a team and I'll be honest, every aspect of my, um, participation as a teaching pastor at grace is all sorry because of the graciousness of one person. And that's Dave. He wanted a team and I had, I had been to um, Bible college in England and I had been a Sunday school teacher. And actually when they canceled all the adult Sunday school classes, they kept one and it was mine. Mm. 
I taught a, a, a class that mostly young people came to, but some older people came to every Sunday morning until we left this building or that building and moved into this building. And um, that was mostly because I left to go to seminary. But at the time, Dave wanted a team. I was teaching. He knew me. He trusted me. I don't know why, but he did. And when he, because he didn't want to have to, he wanted to have other voices. And he also needed to not have to preach 52 weeks a year. And so he just started having me fill in every once in a while. And then he made a team and I was a part of the team. So I've been, I was in the pulpit in the first year. Now I carried a wheelbarrow worth of notes up and just went through them until the time was up. And I'd go, oops, wow, look at the time. Well, we only got through three pages, but hey, maybe the next, <laughs> next time. I, yeah, next week, maybe if Dave's, you know, yeah. but, but it, I was, it was that kind of a feel. There was so much, um, we just do what, what we can to make this, what God wants us to be doing. And I think the contemporary, that's not the contemporary nature of it. I think it was the honesty and the simplicity and the heart mm. behind it that just made it something that people were drawn to. And we just, we grew until we couldn't grow anymore in that space. Mm. There's just no way. Fortunately, this particular property came about. and But yeah, we it was a... It was pretty wild west. What uh, what do you think, looking back, what do you think it was about your teaching style or who you were or your theological understanding that Dave saw in you to say, you need to be a part of this? I have no idea. I think it was that he recognized something in me that I didn't even see in myself then. And that was that... I can take very complicated theological things and bring them together and state them in a way that people under, it makes sense of what they're looking at. Mm. I know that that's a gift I have, but I didn't have any sense of it then. Mm. I think he also saw that I was somebody at the time who was having a really strong influence in the lives of a lot of young people. I hired lots of uh, college age people, for my business. And I had a lot of people working for me who were in that year when they didn't know what to do with themselves. They dropped out of school. Or they, they were having a crisis of faith or something like that. And, and they would end up riding in a truck with me or with my other workers and that we were able to have an influence in people's lives positively for the kingdom and to talk about Jesus in a different way. I think that, that he just saw something honest and real in me. And even though it was raw, he, and he was my friend. And so he could ask me questions that other people weren't mm -hmm. asking me. And we did stuff together. He could see me in real life. Yeah. So, so part of the reason we're doing these types of conversations is, is because it's Dave's final, final last, you know, final year at Grace Church as the senior pastor. And so looking back, what does your relationship with him, how would you characterize that? How how would you uh, describe your friendship or your relationship with He's Dave? He's the brother that I didn't have. Hmm. 
He's very different from me um, in his, just his personality is very different than mine, but I think that he and I are really good for each other. Um, my relationship with him has always been really raw and open and vulnerable. And we're the, he, I, I'm not the only person in his life like that. I know that, but I'm, but I am a friend the kind of friend that he needs. And I think the fact that I've known him from before he was Dave Rodriguez yeah. helps because I loved him as a brother when I'll be honest, it wasn't particularly, it wasn't to my advantage necessarily. And you know, when you're in a position that he's been in for so long, after a while, people just want to get near you because of who you are. Yeah, I never had that because I was close to him before. Mm. I've seen him grow and change in really good ways over the years. Mm -hmm. But my friendship with him has always had that, that familial sort of thing. And I've, I've, it's one of the gifts of my life. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. What, uh, as you kind of assess the last, I don't know, 28 years or so. <laughs> Let's just pick us. Yeah. Yeah. That's 28. Just the history of grace. What, and as Dave's going, you know, going on to this next season of his life, what would you identify as some of the key moments in the history of Grace Church that have helped shape us to be who we are today the key moments yeah what what are some things that stand out to you i think there was a moment when dave had to take leadership um i know when it was it was about 2003 he had to we had to have him become the leader as opposed to having what i would call up until that time, it had been a lot of leadership by multiple voices. And he, I saw him become convinced finally of the anointing on him hmm. to be the leader. That was a big moment. And I watched, it was actually a discussion in my living room. And so I remember it really well mm. because I was looking around the room and back and forth at people and just seeing the man that, because here's the deal. We came out of a church that was really run by the generation above us. Mm -hmm. and, and there are still people from that generation who, when they see me, they still refer to me as like my mom's son or they still talk about me. I'm, I'm a 66 year old man, but yeah. I'm still a boy in there. They still yeah. think of me as a junior hire. And there was a lot of that with Dave when he first started the church. He was this guy, this kid who was, but there was a moment I'll never for, I don't want to talk about the details, but the, there was just this moment when he was, he was the, the one who'd been chosen to lead us. And he stepped into that. I think too, there was a moment and if you're going <coughs> to, excuse me, I don't know whether you're going to ask me about my moments I'm most proud of, but I think the moment that we um, started Lyft. Oh yeah. Our disabled that, ministry. Yeah. Because. Why uh, did that mean so much to you? Because we were in a tremendous financial crunch. I think it was 2008. We were having to go through all, everybody was taking a pay cut and we were, I don't think we downsized the staff at that time, but we went through whatever we had to go through to get through the downturn in the 
economic recession. Right. Yeah, it was what was happening. Every church was dealing with stuff like that. And yet we knew that we had to do that. And I've mentioned this many times, I'm sure. But every time I'm asked, I'll never forget. Everybody's saying we have to do this. And every pastor took a 10% pay cut so we could hire somebody to do lift. Hmm. And that was a moment of great um, significance because we were... We were acting upon that which we knew God had called us to do. And it was a it was an action that only the people around the table knew. Yeah. But the people around the table were the leaders of the church. And we made that decision together mm. because it had to be it had to be done. And uh I think um that one great moment which was early on, early on was when we sent a hundred people to Russia during the yeah. commission. Oh yeah. That was early on. And what that was, was we are not a church that we cause, we came out of a church that was very, it used to be faith missionary church. And the reason it was faith missionary church was because they sponsored tons of missionaries. That was great. And what they, they still do, I think, but they had the model where missionaries come to us we give them money and then they go do the stuff. And the commission was the turning that around to say, no, we are the, f- we go, we go to do things mm. and we find ways for our people to be engaged in what's happening in the world. And um, it's a much bigger commitment than just giving your money. And so that was kind of the birth of, Forming partnerships and Absolutely. sending mission trips out. And Absolutely. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in the first year of the church. Mm. That was seminal. I'm trying to think. I mean, I've been here from the beginning. There's a lot of yeah. things. You know, to be really honest with you, Tyler, I, we don't, one thing we're not very good at is celebrating big wins mm. because we're always moving on to the next thing. And it's easier for me to remember times when my heart was broken than it is to remember mm. times when things were. Wonderful, but I do remember standing one year we had Easter service out at Deer Creek. Oh yeah, I was there. And Dave and I were standing at the back and the place was packed. There were people every, Deer Creek was full. The Ruoff Mortgage Center oh, is what it's called now. Oh yeah. 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 I'm, <laughs> da- I'm dating myself. But um, seeing all those people and we're thinking, what on earth? What on earth? And how cool it is that God had entrusted us that many lives to mm-hmm. speak the truth into their hearts. And that's like, wow. Yeah. It's like, this is amazing and humbling. humbling. I mean, there are lots of things that have happened over the years that are cool. Yeah. Are there things that come to mind uh, that either you wish you would have done differently or you, you wish we could do over again that, Maybe we're challenging times. Um, I suppose there are. I think sometimes our our vision would be outsized for what our congregation can handle in the moment, simply because we'd been living with it for a while and we didn't we didn't prep people in the proper way, or mm-hmm. we. Uh, I'll never forget. And this was not a bad thing. We came back from a management team retreat with the new grace. 
And there was nothing in the new grace that wasn't something that the church should have moved ahead with, but we called it the new grace. This is around like 2010 or something. Something right? like yeah. that. Yeah. And we came back with the new grace and everybody's going, what's wrong with the old grace? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we were excited about not that we were going to change a church that much, but that we'd had come, we'd had a clear vision of where we wanted to go as a yeah. congregation. And it didn't have anything to do with changing everything, but people didn't hear that. I think I might've either changed the name of it or, I don't, I don't know how we could have prepared people for the things that we wanted to see grace become. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it just was uh, something that we were really excited about and it backfired in some way, just simply because people <laughs> yeah. didn't know what we were saying is, and it was really about the word new, new, <laughs> new, because it was really just building. And to be perfectly honest, everything in the new grace, we are now. Right. But because um, I remember, I remember that conversation. It was like we want to open a care center and yeah, well, you know yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, we didn't call it care center, but well, yeah, we it all of all of it was good. Yeah, and we've done it all. Mm -hmm. If you go back and I, I don't very often go back and look at the manuscript of the new <laughs> grace. Yeah. Because it brings yeah. back memories of people saying, what's wrong with the, yeah. old, the old one? It's like, you're not that old of a church to be talking about old and new, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. So, um, Okay, so obviously the last, uh, what are we, eight months, we're eight months past a vote for the right. succeeding yeah. future senior pastor in Barry Rodriguez. Yes. Um, you've known Barry since he was a little boy. He was, I think he was one or two. Yeah. I remember his sister being born. Wow. So I remember Lucy's birth. So yeah, I've been around a while. Um, and as you've seen him grow in his leadership, what are, what are some things that you're, you're noticing that are similar between what you're witnessing in Barry and what you saw in Dave in those early days? Well, I've seen Barry move from being a kid and I think when he... Even when he was doing World Next Door, which he was serious about, there was something about it that allowed him to stay in a mode where he didn't have to be, he could be a, sort of an aw shucks kind of guy. Yeah. And I've seen him, now, now there's a difference between the process, but I've seen Barry step into a leadership role that many people probably wondered whether he could even do it or not because he has to replace his dad who is such a strong leader and yet I've watched it and he has been able to move I would say out of the shadows and into the sunlight of leadership with 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 great uh with a deep character attached to it I've just been amazed by it mm -hmm. I mean I have a lot at stake at whether, <laughs> whether or not this next uh, senior pastor is successful. Yeah. And I have no doubt about it because I've seen him move into that leadership role. I will say that his dad has given him the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. That's another positive about Dave. But um, Are there things from 1991 or so that you remember about Dave that you kind of see, oh yeah, Dave used to be like that and what you see in Barry or... Are there personality similarities at all or leadership styles or, well, okay, what are the, if not, what are the differences? What are some of the key differences that stand out? Well, I think that um, Barry is, well, Barry's just got the advantage of having 
a group of people, including his dad, but others of us who have been in leadership for a long time have been able to speak to him about what it means to lead an organization like this, mm-hmm. especially when it's primarily about long-term vision and getting people to see their own lives within that vision. Uh, Barry's had far more um, opportunity to be mentored, if I can use that term carefully, into the leadership role that he has mm. than his dad ever did because there was nobody, there was nobody with Dave. He was, there were some other men and women who were around, but they, most people then, we are just trying to get things done. Yeah. And there wasn't anybody, there has been a man that Dave has met with consistently who has spoken into his life who doesn't go to grace that's been good for Dave, but that guy wasn't in the day to, he's still a faith and mm. he was, he was not in the day to day workings of grace church. And so I think Barry's just had the advantage of being a part of grace, but also having people around him that are <clears throat> want him to succeed and are yeah. speaking well into his life and, and, and really letting him uh, learn through doing. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't remember I just honestly don't remember Dave at that age. As I, I don't think about it specifically enough to think about, well, Dave was like this when he was that age and now Barry's like yeah. this. Or the, <clears throat> I just don't. Maybe because I've just had this long run with Dave, I mm-hmm. just think about <clears throat> where we are now. Um, What do you sense God is doing at Grace Church right now? I think what God is doing right now is he's getting us ready for something um, that we're that is somewhat unexpected. I honestly believe we're we've been following the spirit, and it we're never promised that if we follow the spirit where the spirit is wanting to go with us community that it's going to be easy or fun, but it will be fruitful. Mm-hmm. And I think there is fruit being born right now, and the right people are on the bus. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. I feel very confident about that. <clears throat> it, nothing against the people that aren't on the bus, but there are a lot of buses. You know, yeah. Jesus has a lot of buses, and this one has has been called to do something specific. And I think that the specificity of what we're supposed to be doing has been clear in the way that God has revealed the Word to us. Mm. I'll take credit for a lot of the theologicalness of who we are. Mm-hmm. I will take credit for that, but it's always been in community and there's been this deep sense that God is leading us to certain things. And and I, th- I think we're just being prepared. Like right now, we're just making sure that all the warriors are properly armed. Yeah. And so as we look ahead uh, to the transition, summer 2020, yeah. um, what... What do you hope for the people of Grace Church? What What do we need to be paying attention to? What do we What What are you hoping that we are doing, or thinking, or praying for as we look ahead? Well, I have, my prayer is that people will be trusting that yes, there is a change coming, that there's a succession of leadership coming at the at the head, but that who God has called us to be in the world is going to be, we're on that train is still on the same rails mm. and that we're on that, we're on a journey to the same place. Um, 
I just hope that people are, they recognize that what Barry wants to have happen are the same exact kind of things that his dad has always wanted. He wants people to grow in the word. He wants people to be in community. He wants people to find a purpose and a destiny in life and that we want to change our community and change the world because we're obedient to the things that God wants to see happen in the world. This the, Nothing is really changing in who we are or the the uh, the values that we hold dearly and that Barry could not be a better advocate for that which has brought so many people into this community in the first place. Hmm. And that's what I really want to see happen. What I want to see happen is that people celebrate what Dave has done and send him off with a grand blessing and a, and a hand, a hand of, um, of appreciation, but also a hope for his future will be as bright as his past has been. And that Barry will then be, trusted Hmm. as he takes us to the next uh, iteration. Though, again, I don't want to start talking, using language like the new grace again. I mean, I don't see it as that. Right. I see it the, you know, because here's the thing. If we needed somebody to come in and shake up everything and change it because something was just wrong, we'd have never had, the Barry would have never been the choice. Hmm. Barry is Barry was the right choice because he's a son of grace in a literal sense, but he also knows us and he bleeds our values. Yeah. So that's what I hope happens. I hope the congregation is excited about it. Yeah. Dave's not going anywhere either. Be <laughs> I mean, he's not like moving to a gnome. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tim, thanks for, thanks for joining me today on this. It was, um, I'm really looking forward to this next year that I'm just getting to reflect back on the history of grace. And so I couldn't think of anybody better to bring in to to kick off that that process. Thank you. This is uh, an honor, an honor to have.